did. I'm thankful that it ain't going to be long. We'll get home. And uh, if you child of God this morning, you know exactly what we're talking about. This world certainly is not my home. And if it was, I would be, uh, as, as Paul wrote there in the Word of God, I would be of all men most miserable if uh, all I had to look for was this life. And you know it's sad. There's a lot of people that believe that. They believe that this is all there is, and when you die, you go back into the ground, and that's it, you know? And um, that's sad. I, I wouldn't, I'd be depressed if I thought that. If I believed that, I'd be absolutely depressed at the thought of this is all there is. And uh, I'm glad that's not the truth, though. I, I'm glad that the truth is so much more than that. Uh, you know, the problem, the problem with, with believing, a, uh, believing that, that we just live and then we die and go back to the ground and that's it, then what purpose is life? What, what purpose is there for living? Um, I don't understand how, you know, uh, if people don't have a purpose for living, then they'll die. Yeah. I mean, we all need purpose. And uh, we can only find true purpose uh, or the meaning of true purpose in the Word of God this morning. I'm so thankful that I've got a home in heaven waiting for me. And uh, I'm glad that this life is not all that there is. I'm glad that there's more to it. And uh, hallelujah today. Hallelujah. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 7 this morning. And uh, one more announcement, I about forgot it. Um, there will be a uh, business meeting after the service tonight, okay? And uh, so y'all uh, just be aware of that this evening. We'll stay a little bit longer this evening than we normally do and have a business meeting after the service. So be prepared for that. And uh, it's nothing bad, though. So at least I don't think they are. So uh, <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 7. Uh, when you find your place, let's stand in honor and, honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. We're going to read two verses here. I actually read them in the message last Sunday. But we're going to revisit them and look at them for a little while this morning. Notice verses number 13 and 14 in Matthew chapter number 7, where the Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning. I pray that you would help me as I preach your word. God, I pray that you would get me out of the way, Father, and just use me as a hollow vessel through which you could speak your words this morning. Father, we so desperately need your help today. God, I pray that you would convict us, challenge us, and stir our hearts through the preaching of your word this morning. Father, I pray, God, that if there is one under the sound of my voice lost and undone without you, that today would be the day of salvation for them. God, I pray uh, for those who may not be in fellowship with you this morning, Father. Maybe uh, they've grown cold and distant from you, Father. I pray that today would be the day that they make that right and uh, come back into the joy of fellowship with you, Father. We love you. God, thank you for the uh, uh, stirring songs and music that we've heard this morning. Thank you for that. And God, help us for a little while, God, here as we open up your precious word and look into it, Father, and learn from it, Father. We love you. Thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. As I already mentioned last Sunday morning, as I was preaching on the thought of the fact that Jesus never changes, I used these two verses as part of the message saying that Jesus has never changed the way to life. If you're going to live 
If you're ever going to find life, you'll do it only through Jesus Christ. I mentioned that already this morning. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Without Jesus, there is no life. Without Jesus, there is no way. Without Jesus, there is no truth. And Jesus tells us here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, that the straight gate and the narrow way is the only way that leads to life. And where you wind up in eternity will be determined by the road you take or the path you take here on this earth. Now I want you to know this morning that it is absolutely impossible to take the wrong road and get to heaven. And it is impossible to take the heavenly road and go to hell. What you do while in this world will determine forever where you spend forever. And this life has been uh, described as nothing more than a brief pause between two very long eternities. Now that shouldn't take any of us by surprise. After all, we are surrounded by death from the moment that we are born into this world. Loved ones pass away. Friends leave this world. And deep inside we know that it's going to happen to us someday as well. You even think about giving life and and uh, from the moment that baby comes into this world well uh, we know uh, I don't know because I'm not one but we know uh, based on books and based on what doctors say uh, at at how dangerous and how mothers go t- into the very jaws of death in order to birth that baby into life and so that's that's what I'm talking about we are surrounded by death or the possibility of death uh, all of our lives. Job said that man is born a few days and is full of trouble. And uh, I tell you what, the fact of the matter is that's one thing that nobody's ever figured out. We're all going to die. It's a 100% chance You know, uh, mankind has tried their best to prolong life from the beginning. They've tried their best to to delay the inevitable. But hey, what does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that we're all going to die one day. We've got an appointment. I don't know when it is, but I'll tell you this much. You're not going to call and change it. I don't know when it is, so I can't call and change something I don't know, right? But that's the fact of the matter. The appointment is at some point. We all have one. We don't know when it is, so we better be prepared for it because the call is going to come one of these days, whether we're ready or not. And so uh, we know that the, the fact that, that we will not live forever is a common theme in life, and it's a common theme throughout the Bible, And uh, when we leave this world, we're going to continue to live. You realize we all, I mean, in one very real, uh, very real uh, um, illustration, we all are going to live forever. The question is, where are you going to live forever? Because there's only two possibilities. You're either going to live in heaven forever or you're going to live in hell being in torments forever. You know, death in the Bible is not annihilation the way that we look at it on earth and through the physical eyes. As a matter of fact, a child of God ought to never look at death as annihilation. Death is always, when we talk about the second death in the Bible and death in general, it is a separation. It is not annihilation. 
I hope that makes sense. And so what is hell exactly, preacher? Well, it's everything that is because you are separated from God Almighty. It's amazing. People that don't even believe in God uh, experience His mercy and His grace even while here on this earth. You know, people that mock God, people that shake their fists at God, thumb up their noses at God, absolutely hate God. Guess what? They are recipients, even now, of His good grace and His good mercy. And what's going to happen one day is He's simply going to give them what they want, and that is an existence without Him. And that will be hell. And the Bible says it's a place of torments, it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, and it's a very real place. So the question today is where are you going to go? Where are you going? Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Because there's only two options. There's nothing in between. And I want you to notice four things this morning that we find in these verses, in these two verses. I want you to notice number one. In the first part of Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, we find the decision. The Bible says, enter ye in at the straight gate. Jesus issues a command right here, and we all have a decision to make. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. It is a command. And I want you to know today that you will never, ever go through the straight gate by accident or being unaware. You ask some people if they're saved or if they're on their way to heaven and they'll say, well, I don't know, maybe. No, there is no maybe. You don't get into the straight gate by just happening to stumble upon it. It is a decision that you have to make. You must enter that straight gate decisively, thoughtfully, and purposely. Many people admire the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, and that's where we're at in Matthew 7 here, but, uh, or part of the Sermon on the Mount, but they never follow those principles. They admire the principles, but they never follow the principles. Here's what I'm trying to say. Many people respect and praise Jesus Christ and never receive Him as Lord and Savior. I've often said it like this, people, I said this a, a few Sundays ago, I think, preaching, uh, everybody loves a crown, but few love a cross. They want a cross, I mean, they want a crown, but they don't want to bear the cross in order to get to the crown. And then we also, we've often said it like this, everybody wants a Savior, but they don't want a Sovereign. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean someone that's going to tell you what to do. Someone that, hey, we are called the servants of Christ as children of, of Christ or children of God. And so we need to understand that. Everybody wants a Savior. Nobody wants a Master, though. But here's the thing. That's where I'm getting at. Let me note here. I want you to understand that there's really no choice to be made when entering into the wide gate. You have to make a choice. There's a decision to enter the straight gate, but not the wide gate. Where do I get that from? Well, I want you to understand that every person that is born into this world is in sin. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, Psalm 58.3 says this, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Well, isn't that interesting? Preacher, you mean that cute, adorable little baby is in sin? Yes, that's exactly what the Word of God just said, not me. I can't fathom that. Well, it's not hard to fathom, I don't think. Babies lie all the time. Good grief, I had two of them and they lie. Yeah, you don't believe me? Think about how that baby's crying and you think something's wrong with it. All they want is to be held. 
Then you go set them down, and ain't nothing wrong with them. What do they do? They start crying again. They ain't hungry. They just won't be out. They're trying to make you think something's wrong with them, so you'll sit there and hold them like this 24-7. Okay, well, same thing. I mean, my little girl, she, I mean, all the time, it's, it's a, uh, I want to sleep in it. No, you're sleeping in there. But I'm scared. No, you're not. Hey, I'll give you another example. The other day, we got up. I was going to take her to school, and she come in there. She was all, she was fine. I got her up. She's hard to get up. She's like me anyways. Uh, I can sleep I can sleep 14 hours, and I still can't get up good. Yeah, I guess that's just something. I don't know what it is. But anyways, uh, so she's the same way. So I get her up. She's in a good mood, and she's happy. And it don't take but just maybe five minutes. She walks in the kitchen there, and she goes, Daddy, my stomach hurts. I don't feel like going to school. I said, oh. I said, well, baby, I'm sorry. I said, does it really hurt? She said, oh, it's hurting bad. I said, really? She said, uh-huh. And I just kind of stopped for a second. I said, so you can't go to school? No. No, Daddy, it hurts. Well, honey, where's it hurting at? Oh, here. I said, oh. I said, man, that's so unfortunate. She said, what? I said, if you don't go to school today... I said, if your tummy's really hurt, I said, now, if you're really sick. I said, but you were fine five minutes ago when I got you up. I said, it's sad. I said, because we'll have to cancel your birthday party. I said, we can't, we can't, we can't risk giving, you, giving a sickness to all these other kids. She goes, I'm okay. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, what? She said, I'm okay. I said, what do you mean you're okay? She said, I'm okay. I said, let me ask you a question, Madeline. I said, did you just not want to go to school today? She said, I just didn't want to go. I said, so you're lying. She said, yeah. <sighs> so anyways, I won't, we'll just stop right there. But here's what I'm getting at. They lie to get what they want. And you know what? The sad thing is, is many times they don't ever learn that lesson and they go through life doing the same thing. Right? Adults are just as bad. I won't get on that subject. We'll keep going. But here's the thing. Here's where I'm trying to get at. Here's where I'm trying to get at. We are born in sin. We're born in sin. So let me tell you this. We are already on the broad road. We're already on the broad path. We've already. Hey, when we go into that, uh, that wide gate, hey, guess what? We're there. We're already there. We didn't have to do nothing to get there. We're born in sin. Why are we born in sin, preacher? Because of Adam. Blame it all on him. He's got a lot of explaining to do when we get to heaven. And I'm joking, but anyways, uh, he, I'm telling you, it's, it all started with Adam. Adam disobeyed God and sold everyone that's been born ever since into the slavery of sin. And so we are already on this broad path. Uh, a broad road. Hey, as a little baby, let me explain this a little bit more. As a little baby, we know nothing of sin and the choice to follow sin. It's just nature. However, here's the thing. As, as we grow, there comes a time when we know right from wrong. And it's at this point in time we make conscious decisions to either do evil or do good. And when that decision is made, then... The wide gates entered and the broad way becomes the way of life. And so it's then that we have to make a decision. Because here's the thing, I want you to understand, a little baby that just came out of the womb, if it dies, 
God's not sending it to hell. In His grace and His mercy. That baby doesn't understand. That baby was born in sin. Yes, the nature is sin. But I want to be clear, God is not unmerciful to send that little baby to hell. Some people believe that. That baby doesn't have a conscience. He cannot make a conscience decision. But I want you to understand that from the time that you make can make a conscious decision to do right or do wrong, then you've got decisions to make about life. And so we have to make this decision. Stay on the broad way, which we're already on, or listen to Jesus as He tells us to enter ye into, or enter, enter ye in at the straight gate. And this is a beautiful illustration today of what repentance is. Now, repentance simply is a turning away from sin and a turning to God. It's a turning away from the broad road and it's an entering into the narrow way by the straight gate. By the way, Jesus is the gate this morning. In John 10, 9, He says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and found pasture. And He's the only way to get to the Father today. I've already mentioned that. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 also tells us, Neither is salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And so the way is exceedingly narrow. It's so narrow. Listen to me this morning, church, that you can't go in two at a time. You can't ride on the coattails of your godly Christian mom or your dad. And the narrow path is so narrow that it's only single file. Preacher, what do you mean? Well, it don't matter what anybody else does. It's you and it's God. You're not going to be able to blame. Hey, people blame. Hey, you go out here and knock on doors and people will blame, 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 blame everybody else for why they don't go to church. Sad to say, one of these days when they stand before God, it's going to be them and it's going to be God. There are no excuses. There is no blame game at that time. It's what did you do with Jesus? The narrow way is a single file way. I want you to understand the decision is yours. What way are you going to be on? So there is a decision, but I want you to notice in the rest of verse number 13, we have the danger. What's the danger? Well, the danger is this, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction in there, and many there be which go in thereat. See, the broad way always leads to destruction. And that means, I want you to know that word destruction means to perish ruin. In the context of this passage here, it literally means this, the destruction which consists of eternal misery in hell. And the bad path may be a most enjoyable trip, but at the end or the end of it is eternity in hell spoken of here as destruction. That is is honestly little mentioned in our day, but it's still true whether anybody mentions it or not. It's true nonetheless. All who choose the broad way will come to a destructive end. All who travel that path will be rejected of God at the great white throne judgment and be cast into eternal separation and misery in hell. Don't believe me? I hope you don't. Revelation 20, though, tells us about that. And we can believe the Word of God. Verse number 11 in Revelation 20 says this, And I saw a great white throne... 
There's your great white throne judgment. And Him that sat on it, that's the judge. That is Jesus Himself. And it says, From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away as there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Hey, it don't matter how big you are, don't matter how little you are, you're going to stand before God here. It says, uh, Books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's not popular, but that's Bible. It's true. Whether anybody preaches it, whether anybody believes it, it's true. And the broad way is a way without restriction. It's a way without limitations. The word broad means this, spacious, giving the sense of broad appeal and acceptance. Boy, isn't that an interesting word to use here? As we consider the broad way, all we have to do is look around uh, at our society today and we can clearly see that many have chosen the broad way. It's broad, it's spacious, it's not restricted. Access is not limited. Many are on the broad road. And this is exactly what the devil wants. He wants the broad road to appeal to the flesh. He desires the path to destruction to be lined with the pleasures of this life and plenty of company. The broad road appeals to humanity. There are many on that road and pleasures abound. But here we find a troubling fact that we are all too familiar with. The broad road is filled with many who are traveling the road of sin and indulgence. This is the road in which the world longs to travel. It's the road that's promoted today. It's encouraged by most. And the lure of the flesh compels many to travel that road. Hey, what do we hear today? Even from, uh, even from the, the littlest children's show. Hey, follow your heart. Hey, do what you love to do. Do follow your heart. Dream big. Make it happen. Whatever happens in life, your happiness is the only thing that matters. Oh, those sound so innocent, don't they? But all of those point to the broad road. Hey, come over here. There's pleasure here. Hey, the Bible says it doesn't, it doesn't mince words about it. It says there is pleasure in sin for a season. It means it's temporary. That means it will not last forever. There is pleasure in sin, but one day it will come home and sin has a wage. And what is it? It is death. And so we face the temptations of the flesh. And the flesh longs to be with those who seek to satisfy the flesh. That's why the road is broad. And many are on that road. And so we think about those things, follow your heart. Well, the Bible tells us not to follow our heart. Think about it. What's the Bible say about our heart? Jeremiah says that our heart is deceitful. It is exceedingly wicked. It says who can know it? None of us can know it. Only God can. Preacher, you mean, you mean, hey, let me just go ahead and disturb everybody for a minute. What I'm trying to say is no, you can't trust yourself. But yeah, what does the world do? Oh, you're it. Everything you do needs to be for yourself. You are the only one in control of your destiny. You are, I mean, hey, I listen to motivational speeches. 
It's good studying. I like to know what everybody's hearing. You see it all, and the sad thing is you're seeing it in our churches too. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, hey, my way is not... <laughs> the Bible tells me I can't trust myself. You know who I can trust? I can trust God. That's why the Bible tells us to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. Yeah. That's why the Bible tells me to consult God before doing anything. That's why the Bible tells me to pray. That's why the Bible tells me to get my strength from God. That's why it tells me that, that I am a branch. He's the vine. And without Him, I can do nothing. It's because I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can't be trusted. I can't follow my heart. I ain't making no friends today. I'm going to tell you something. If you stop following your own heart and start following God, you'll find true joy. You'll find a dream better than any dream you could have ever dreamed. Oh, how do you know that, preacher? Because I'm living. I'm there. I've been there. Hey, I had my dream. And there was one day I threw my dream away and just decided to go with God. And here I am. It ain't the easiest way. But it's the best way. Yeah. Yes. Hey, you can't put a price tag on joy and peace and communion with God. We need to stop making our own decisions and allow God to lead us and guide us in our lives. Number three this morning, i got to move on. Look in verse number 14. We find not only the decision and the danger, but we find the difficulty. The difficulty. Look in verse 14. It says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. Jesus describes this way as the narrow way. You know, I guess, I guess when you think about this, it's not really much of an insult to be called narrow-minded, is it? Anyways... I don't know where that came from. But hey, Jesus describes it as the narrow way. So what is he talking about? Well, the word narrow, I want you to understand it, it, it reveals much more than what one would expect. And, and you think about straight. Straight is, the, uh, straight is the same way. Straight, notice it's spelled S-T-R-A-I-T. Okay, that's a different word than we think about when I say this line is straight right here. It's not the same word. I think a lot of people assume that there's a misspelling in the Bible. It's not. It's a different word. It has a different meaning. And so here's what it means. It means, it means here to be hemmed in like a narrow mountain pass. It's got the idea of pressing together to compress. The same word is actually translated afflicted, troubled, and to suffer tribulation in other uh, New Testament passages. And then we've also got this word uh, narrow, which means pent up, narrow, difficult to be entered. Straight and narrow. What am I trying to get at? Here it is. There is a difficulty to be considered here when he says straight is the gate and narrow is the way. It's not just a matter of 
Few people are going to find it because it's, it's, it's you know, we, we've, we've always had this picture of, all oh, the broad path is crooked path, and that represents sin because, well, I mean, that's a good illustration to make. And then we got the straight, but that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about something deeper. He says, this is difficult. When you walk the narrow way, yeah, you've got to choose to give up your rights. You can no longer do as you please. But you must do those things which please the Lord. You cannot make the rules, but you are expected to keep the Lord's rules. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I am not preaching works-based salvation. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in it because the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible tells us that, uh, that salvation is through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone says that it's not of works lest any man should boast. I don't work to get saved. I work because I'm saved. And this life that I now live is not an easy path. Preacher, I still don't understand what you're saying. Well, the life of a Christian is not easy. We have a world out here that believes it is. We have people in church that believe it is. I'm going to tell you something. You get out here and you get on fire for God and you wholly dedicate your life to God and you go out here and you witness to people and you do a work for God and you'll find out that it's not an easy life. We've talked on Wednesdays in 1 Peter. What's 1 Peter all about? It's all about persecution. It's Hey, hey Jesus told us in, in His Word, He said, hey, don't think it's strange when you're persecuted for your faith. Why? Because the servant ain't no better than the master. They persecuted Christ. Of course, they're going to persecute His followers. You know the problem that we've got in our day? We've got a lot of people following a Christianity that is not real Christianity. And the reason being is because Satan is a very good deceiver. Very good deceiver. Nothing I'm preaching today is consistent with much that is being taught in our churches today, but it is what God said. In Romans chapter 3, He said, Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Seeking to live for the Lord and traveling the path that He has chosen will not be an easy journey. Trouble and affliction will come to those who are committed to living for Christ. In John chapter 15, verse 20, this says, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Yeah, it's not an easy pass. path. I have give up friends because of the path. I have give up work because of the path. I have give up personal, hey, pleasures because of the path. And it's all been worth it. Because I know where the path ends. This life is temporary. Eternity never ends though. We've only got this little bitty space here, these 70 some years maybe. 70 years if we, if we even make it that long. Some make it to 80, some make it to 90, some make it to 100, some don't make it to 10. But we've only got this little life to make all the difference that we can. And it may be difficult, but it's worth it. 
John Bunyan in that great book, Pilgrim's Progress, wrote this. He said, the straight gate is straight because it is narrow. And they that go in thereat must be content to be straightened in their spirits and to bear much. Hey, living for the Lord will have its share of difficulty, but this world and its reward is not all there is for the child of God. And so number four, I want you to notice the discovery. Look at the end of verse number 14. We find the discovery. What's the discovery? The discovery is this, and few there be that find it. Find what? The straight gate and the narrow way. Few. We all know what few means. Jesus said there would just be a few who found this straight gate. Man is not, as I mentioned earlier, at a crossroads. He's walking in the broad way. It is easily accessible by anyone. And apart from the saving grace of Jesus Christ, all are on this path and will enter in that the wide gate. But you don't have to do a thing to enter into the wide gate. By virtue of our fallen nature, all are on the broad way and headed toward the wide gate unless they come to Christ and reverse their course to travel the narrow way that leads to the straight gate. Now perhaps few will be saved because few are looking for what God offers through Jesus. They're getting pumped so full of me, me, me. I control this. I'm enough here. I'm strong enough here. Hey, maybe they don't even need God. That's what most people think. I control everything. I don't need. That's what the world is saying to God. Perhaps they're so filled with the world and their own ways that they've got no time. Hey, a lot of people ain't got time. They're too busy working. Got to make money. Got to have that career. Got to go through all this. I got to keep my career. I got to have this 401k. I've got to set up everything. Yeah, I've been there. Let me share a secret with you. God take care of you. If you just live for him. I'll, get, I'll tell you something, and I got to shut up. How are you going? Let me just tell you something. I like telling this. I had a good career, and I was doing exactly what I wanted to do with life. The only problem was that wasn't what God wanted to do. All right? That's a big problem. So I was at a crossroads. I could either go with God or I could go with myself. I chose God. I stayed where I was at on the assumption that I had to. Because if, hey, here's what they tell you, okay? I'm just saying, because I've heard all, I've been to all the seminars. Oh, you got to do this or else you ain't going to have this nest egg. Oh, you've got to set this aside. You got to do this. You got. I just stepped out in faith knowing that God would take care of me because, by the way, doesn't He tell us that He will meet our needs? Yes, He does. Amen. But here's what's so beautiful about it. Here's what's so beautiful about it. I talked to a guy not long ago because he, 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 he feels like he's stuck. He's not happy. He's miserable. He's stuck. And I said, I want to tell you something. I said, don't ever believe the lie that you're stuck. And you got it. I said, when I left, when I left where I did, here's the thing. I was vested. I was able to take money. I had money that was owed to me through a pension anyways. It's probably too personal, but I don't care. It don't mean nothing to me. Some people's all secretive about stuff, but anyways. I had a little bit of money that came with me. It's funny. I, I, called, I called a Christian brother of mine. 
uh, across town. And uh, I said, brother, I need to know what to do with this money. He said, well, I can help you. We got it all. We got it all fixed up in some IRA accounts, and I, I don't really care for that. But I mean, I couldn't do nothing with it. You know, I prayed over that, and I prayed that God would help us with that. And you know, supposedly, if everything keeps going the way that it is, just through my own investments, I'll have as much money whenever I decide to retire as I would have if I had stayed where I was at, building all that up and being miserable and being out of the will of God. I don't mind telling people that. You know why? Because it tells, I'm trying to tell people, hey, you can do it. Don't believe the lies of corporate America. You might say you've been reading Dave Ramsey too much. Maybe I have. He can give you some good advice. And I probably, hey, I did a biblical finances course in Bible college using his book, The Total Money Makeover, and God used that to change my life when it comes to money. You know what you got to do, though? You just got to trust God. You just got to trust God. Just trust Him. Understand you don't know how to do nothing. Just go ahead and say, I don't know how to do nothing, but I trust God. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to let him take care of it. I'm going to let him lead. I'm going to be faithful to what he's called me to do. I'm going to be faithful to do what he's gathered me to do. And he's going to take care of the rest of it. I promise you. Hey, the psalmist said that he never saw the righteous <laughs> beg. Hey, what do you say? Or the seed begging for bread? Hey, God takes care of his people. Well, why do you say all that junk, preacher? Well, number one, it ain't junk. Number two, I want you to experience. The joy and the peace that I've got in my life because I stepped out in faith. I'm on that narrow way. I'm not saying I don't worry. You can ask my wife. I'm a worry wart. I hate it. I can't stand it. I'm a natural worrier. I get it from my grandma. She was a professional worrier. Don't believe me. Ask my daddy. Anyways. I'm a professional warrior and I have to stop myself and I'm like, God, this is not trusting in you. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to shut up and I ain't going to say another word about it. And sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. And then I say, well, God, I know I said I wasn't going to say another word about that and I need to stop. Would you help me just to stop and get that out of my head? And you know what usually happens? He'll send me something else to worry about. Anyways, uh, but <laughs> it's kind of like that, 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 that whole, you know, if your finger's hurting, just hit your toe. Then you won't worry about your finger no more. Yeah. Anyways, I said all that to say this. People are too hung up with this world. Even people in our churches. As my daddy always said, they've got their tent pegs too deep in this world. Yeah. They've driven them way too deep in this world. And we think we got to have this and we think we got to have that. But I'm going to tell you something. God will take care of us. Let me remind us this morning, if none of this other stuff convinced you, let me remind you that when a man is left to his own way, he'll always wind up in hell. Proverbs tells us that, 16.25, it says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And by the way, there's three references to that in the book of Proverbs. You might ask this morning, well, preacher, how few are going to find that path, preacher? Well, I mentioned that last week, but I'm going to say it again because we really need to let it sink in. In the days of Noah, only eight were saved out of the entire population of the world. There was only one man, Noah, that found grace in the eyes of God. Think about that. 
And then you, you fast forward to Lot there with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Only three were saved out of that. I don't count Lot's wife because she disobeyed on the way out and turned around and looked and she was destroyed. There was only three that actually made it out alive. Out of those two cities. And you know what? I could use other examples, but those are very pertinent to us. Why? Because if you look in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, the Bible says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Then if you look in Luke chapter 17, verse 28, 29, and 30, the Bible says, Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. You think, preacher, what is wrong with any of that? Nothing as long as you don't lose sight of God. You know what God, you know what the Bible tells us the sin of Sodom was? The sin of Gomorrah was? It was that they lived their life with no thought at all of God. In other words, they were doing their own thing, their own way, and didn't care about God. They didn't acknowledge God. And so, just like we read right here, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom and rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It's interesting. I really don't think there's as many people going to heaven as we think sometimes. And I do know the fact. The fact of the matter is there's going to be people in heaven that we didn't think would be there. There's going to be people going to hell that we thought were going to heaven. But one thing is sure, there's going to be a whole lot more people in hell than there is in heaven. You know, God's people have always been a remnant, a small minority in this world. It's no wonder, because the way of life is narrow, it's lonely, it's costly. We can walk on the broad way and keep our baggage of sin and worldliness, but if we enter in... If we enter into the narrow way, we must give up those things. Warren Wiersbe said, here then is the first test. Did your profession of faith in Christ cost you anything? If not, then it wasn't a true profession. That's sobering words. Sobering words. Many people who trust Christ never leave the broad road with its appetites and associations. They have an easy Christianity which makes no demands of them. Yet Jesus tells us the narrow way is difficult. We cannot walk on two roads, y'all. You can't walk on two roads going in two different directions at the same time. It is impossible. So think it over. Search your hearts this morning. Where are you going? Let's stand by our heads, close our eyes. Miss Dawn, come play for us. Where are you going this morning? We're all on a road. We're all on one of two roads with one of two destinations. The question is, where are you going?